Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, and welcome to Goodwood this uh, special Motorsport Magazine podcast in association with Mercedes-Benz. The all-new Mercedes-Benz A-Class, available from £269 per month. It's full of the latest technology. Just talk to it. Use your voice to control things like music, call friends, or to help with packing the essentials. Hey, Mercedes. How can I help you? Will I need an umbrella tomorrow? It is very unlikely that it will rain tomorrow. It's a car that helps you stay connected. The new A-Class with Mercedes Me from just £269 per month. Find out more. Take a test drive at your local retailer today. Based on an A180 SE on a 48-month personal contract hire agreement. Advanced rental, £4,708, 10,000 miles per annum. Mileage and damage charges apply. No ownership. 18 years and over. Subject to status. Offer ends 30th of September. Mercedes-Benz Finance. I'm joined today by Brian Redman. Welcome welcome back to the podcast, I think. I think it's been a while since you've been on on the Motorsport Podcast. Yes, it's uh, several years. I remember it well. It's yes. the Hall of Fame, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yes. so. Um, but you're at Goodwood, obviously. Uh, and what are you driving? Do you know? Uh, well. Because <laughs> last time we spoke, you weren't sure. <laughs> I'm supposed to be driving a 1966 Indy car right. that Jackie Stewart drove and was leading at Indy until about time that was from the end when something broke and went down. It's a Lola. Right. And also a Porsche RS uh, 2.7. It's very nice, but I can't find it. So right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a lot of Porsches here as well, aren't there? So there are hundreds of Porsches yeah, here. Wood for the trees, I think. Yes, so. yes. Did you ever drive the 2.7 in period? I don't think it's No, did. no. I mean, really, the first time I ever drove a Porsche of any kind was after I'd signed a contract with them in 1968, at the end of 68. And I was invited to go to Stuttgart and choose whatever I would like. Really? And I chose a 911S, silver, with a blue interior and then uh, left-hand drive German registered and drove it back home to Cone in Lancashire and then we had to use it for every race in Europe including the Targa Florio thousands of miles really yeah did you do your reckeys in it on the Targa um, I did a little bit yes, yes. Well, actually like? Richard Atwood and I got a call from Rico Steinemann in early 1969 and he said you will come to Weissach and to pick up two 911R and drive them Sicily and practice for the Targa Florio and stay with me and Marianne in Zurich on the way down. Wow. <laughs> so they were quite a scary um, time doing the recce's because it was a, the roads were open and yes. you were then, how fast were we going on the recce's? Well, we were going reasonably quickly, but you know, as you say, the roads are open, but the most scary time, of course, is the one lap you got in the race car. That's all you got in the race right. car was one lap, you know, an eight hundred corners per lap. I mean, it's really, for me, a waste of time going down because, you know, you know when there's some bad bits, when you see spray painted on the wall, Attention Nino, <laughs> which is where Nino crashed the year before. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So, when um, 
What was your favourite Porsche? Well, I think, you know, I really loved the 983. 983 built only for the Targa Florio yeah. and the Nürburgring. I wasn't too keen that you sat uh, so far forward in it. Right. And the first time I ever saw it was I in the winter of 1969 when there was a party to celebrate Porsche winning the World Manufacturers Championship for the first time. Yeah. So here we are in Weissach and the engineers say to me, Erdman, you would like to see the new 9083? I said, yes. And so we go into a dark corner and they pull off the dust sheets and there's no front body on. And I get in it and I see that my leg is in front of the front wheel. You know, my feet from about yeah. a foot and a half up your leg, you're in front of the front wheel. And there's nothing there. There's an oil cooler about that size. So I got out and the engineer said, uh, Edmund, what do you think of the new 9083? I said, I think it's a very good call for Douglas Bader. <laughs> Brilliant. I then had to explain who Douglas Bader yeah. was. <laughs> what was it like driving that on the Nürburgring though? Because when I think of the 9, 908, I think of the Nürburgring more than I do the Targa. So it must have been, obviously it's open and it must have been quite a scary. It's, well, it was, I mean, you know, although, and to some degree, the 917 as well, because if you crashed in a 917, it broke in half across yeah. the cockpit. And so when you went to somewhere like Spa, Francorchamps, or Le Mans, or Monza, um, I didn't sleep very well the night before the races, I can tell you, but uh, the 9083 was the same. It, was a, it weighed 1,100 pounds, you know, and it was 370 horsepower, and it had big tyres, so you had a lot of grip but no aerodynamic yeah. downforce. So on the Nürburgring, it was uh, fantastic compared to the 9082. Right. So how Porsche did this, this is all Ferdinand Pieck who spearheaded the whole of the 917 program. Yeah. So they're building these 25 917s, they're racing short tail and long tail 908s. There's 10 drivers, six Germans, three English, Richard Atwood, Vic Alford and myself, and Joe Siffert. And he's doing at the same time, they're building another 908, the 9083. This is all happening all at the same time. It's unbelievable, really. And so to drive the 9083 was really fantastic. It was about probably four years ago at Rennsport at Laguna Seca. Uh, they put you on the grid how they want you to be, not how you qualify. Right. You know, so now in front of me is Heist van Lennep in a 917. To his right is Derek Bell in a 917. I'm here in a 9083 behind Van Lennep. To my right is uh, a driver with a 917, a private owner who I know is very, you know, he's determined to win. I know what he's going to do going down into the first turn. I got myself under Van Lennep's gearbox about this far off. And this guy to my right comes across and boom, hit me. So I said to him after, what are you doing? This is a vintage race. Anyway, I managed to win. And, and so. I do love it, but with the reservation that I really wouldn't want to hit something, yes. that's all. Yeah. So. Of course, so uh, racing in America, historic racing, is very different to racing, historic racing in the UK, where you've got, it's kind of like, it's just racing, isn't it? Whereas in America, it's a little bit more of a show. Yes, well, the top guys run pretty hard, but not like they do in the Europe, yeah. in the UK particularly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they say to me for the revival, they offer me cars to drive, I don't want to be at the front no. of the field. I want to be in the middle or at the back. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it like coming back to Goodwood every year? And like just as we're walking then, 
sort of bumped into Johnny Rutherford and yes. just, it must <laughs> yeah, be. It is fantastic. I mean, really, it's not so much driving the cars and seeing them, it's seeing all the old friends and people who you haven't seen maybe for a year or two years or five years. I was yeah. just talking to Richard Atwood and, you know, so it goes on. I mean, we know nearly everybody. Johnny Rutherford, he joined in the Formula 5000 series in 1975. Yeah. USAC and the SCCA joined in together, so I know him very well. He crashed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hear you, that's all right. Um, you, in America, you've spent a lot of time in America, but you never actually drove IndyCar. So, and obviously you, you were supposed to drive one today. But did you ever come close to IndyCar or stepping up to IndyCar in your career? Um, yes. What happened was in 1974, USAC, who were the Indy guys, yeah. joined in with SCCA. So I was doing Formula 5000, open wheel, single seater, 500 horsepower, 1,350 pounds, or pretty light car, quick, quick cars. And so when they joined in, suddenly in came all these USEC drivers, Mario Andretti, uh, Johnny Rutherford, Gordon Johncock, Al Unser, yeah. Bobby Unser. And the only one who was really good was Mario. And Bobby and Al were, were good and learning fast, but, you know, and I was offered an Indy drive in that year, 74, and I, I turned it down because I don't want, I thought I don't want to spend a year learning how to do Indy when yep. I see these Indy experts yeah. struggling in 5000. And then I was offered another one uh, in 77. But uh, my first race of the new year with the car, which was a marketing exercise that made us put bodywork on the open wheel single seaters right. and call it Can-Am yep. because Can-Am had had bigger crowds. So the promoters all wanted the name bank. So now we've got bodywork on the open wheel car. Out I go in my car, I come in after 20 minutes and it's good because Jim Hall and Chaparral, you know, this, I'd raced for them, this is my fifth year with them. And so Jim says, how is it? I said, it's good, what do you want? I said, um, drop the front wing quarter of an inch, you know, it's not much. And on the next lap at 170 miles an hour on the main straight, it took off. So it goes 40 feet in the air, turned over and came down. Uh, the roll bar broke, I went down on the road, the helmet was worn down each side and I was battering. It broke my neck, C1, smashed this shoulder, split my breastbone, broke my ribs. Uh, my heart stopped, the ambulance blew a tire on the way to hospital and I was declared dead. So. That was 1977, and the week after that, I was due to go to India to test. Right. It never happened. Right. Probably a good job. Yeah. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, what was it like for? working for Jim Hall, because he was quite a difficult, he could be quite a difficult character, <laughs> to say. Yes, I mean, he was very quiet, he didn't say much, but he led from the front. The team was a fantastic team, it was his chaparral team. Yeah. Franz Weiss, who built the engines, 
And, you know, the main reason that, that I beat Mario for two years to the championship was I had better reliability. And so at a time when the five-litre Chevy engine gave 500 horsepower, but not terribly reliable, that in my case, I had one engine failure in four years. And that was in practice, yeah. you know? So that's one of the reasons that, that I won the championship. <laughs> so it was a great team. And Jim only ever said two negative things to me in the four years. At Mid-Ohio in 1975, I came in after qualifying. How is it? I said, it's good. He said, Brian, I sure as hell don't understand why this car is slower than Mario's. <laughs> I won the race. <laughs> And then at Pocono Raceway, in 70, again in 75, after I lost 500 RPM in top gear from Friday to Saturday, and I said to Jim, we've lost 500 RPM. He said, boy, I sure hate to change a motor the night before the race, but we'll change it. They changed it. I won the race. I rang him a week later, and I knew it had been back on the dyno, you know. And he says, I said, how's that motor, Jim? There's a long silence. He said, Brian, he said, I sure wish you guys wouldn't give us bad information. I said, what? He said, that motor was 10 horsepower up when we put it back on the diner. <laughs> it was the wind. Oh. Yeah, it was the wind that had caused us to lose 500 hours. So otherwise, we had a great relationship. And at the end of the, I think the fourth year, when we won the championship again, he said, Brian, he said, I've never had a driver who can drag a dead car across the line like you can. <laughs> And that came largely from my, you know, long distance yeah. experiences and also being a bit easier on the car, a bit easier on the gearbox, you know, that sort of thing. Because yeah. yeah. some people have said um, he would sometimes um, maybe take credit where he maybe he shouldn't have done. Did you ever experience any of that, so John Barnard? Yes, um, I, know, I know about that, of course, yeah. but uh, this was before the Barnard uh, days. And so, you know, and I'm sure that it's been said he took some credit for the involvement with General Motors in the original yeah. chaparrales. And I'm sure that that's true, but I've never heard him sort of complain about it. He's a very nice guy, very, very quiet guy. Yeah, one of a kind as well. Yes. Um, now, I should say uh, a quick word for our uh, sponsor, Mercedes. Um, you're a big Mercedes driver. Well, my wife drives a Mercedes now. Oh, well, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, um, yes. if you were to go to Mercedes-Benz World, Mercedes World website, uh, you can buy a drive and dine experience, um, which is a 4x4 experience plus dinner um, and onboard um, in the Gullwing Bistro. Um, so you get one hour in the car and then you get to go to dinner. So it's quite yeah. a nice little wow. package. And you can, so to book that, that is 0370 400 4000. Or if you Google or look up the Mercedes-Benz World website, you should be able to find details about that. Can I do it in America? If there's Mercedes-Benz World America, <laughs> I'm sure I can. Or if not, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a business venture. Pitch that to Mercedes. Yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> So, um, also being here at uh, Goodwood, there's a big martini display. But on the way down, you were saying that you, you obviously you only drove a Golf John Wyatt. You never had to put the chance to drive a martini. But there's quite a good story behind how when John Wyer found out about Martini? Well, of course, uh, when John Wyer became the official Porsche factory team in 1970, yep. he didn't know that there was another effectively factory team, which was Martini, which was uh, his mother, in Porsche Austria. 
Right. They didn't know that, and so it was a big shock at Daytona when a when a car comes from Porsche Austria. Yeah. And at the uh, we were talking about the 9083 at the Nürburgring in 1970. Um, we'd had a slow pit stop. The engine was slow to fire up, but anyway, I'd got going and I was fourth, and I'd caught um, Kurt Ahrens, who was co-driving with Vic yeah. Elford, and they went on to win. And I'd passed him, and I caught my teammate Leo Kinunen, and I think he was pretty upset because a friend of his, Hans Lehner, had been killed. You know, on the Friday, I think, might have been Saturday, when his 908 turned over on the main straight and caught fire. And as usual, of course, there's no fire equipment. And so uh, I got into the lead. But when I handed the car back to Joe for the last session, it was again very slow to start. And soon after that, the engine seized. So in 1998, uh, they said the factory sent five cars from the museum they were going to go to Monterey in August for the big vintage event. They sent them to Sebring. And Bob Carlson from Porsche Cars North America said, can you go to Sebring and test the cars and write a report, you know, for Road and Track? And I did this. And the mechanic who'd been working on those cars in 69 and 70 was Klaus Bischoff. And he's now the museum leader. He's the right. head of the museum. So I drive the 9083. And I was around and I come back and I said, Klaus, I said, you know, Remember in 1970, I know that Vic and uh, Kurt won the race for Porsche Austria. And I said, but we should really have won, you know, but we had a problem with the oil. He says, yeah, Brian, he says, in Porsche Salzburg, we know about this problem. We have bigger oil tanks. <laughs> so whether that was true or not, actually, I think it was. So it was a fantastic car, but we went on you know, to win the Targa Florio. But the at the end of 1970, I made a foolish retirement. I'd been offered a job in Johannesburg, and I went. And I came back after four months. I didn't understand the apartheid. I came back, so I'd shipped the whole family, my wife, children, the car, everything out, all back again. No drive, except Sid Taylor offered me a McLaren M18, 405,000. But in April, the phone rang, John Wire. Uh, Redmond, would you like to do the Targa Florio? I said, well, Derek's taken over, you know, taking my job. Uh, Derek's never done the Targa, and you know, you managed to win it last year. So I said, oh, okay, so off I go, thinking it's yeah. a really big chance to get back into the big time. So, Sifat crashes the car the night before the race. The mechanics work all night on it, they repair it, and on the morning, race morning, Wire says, Redmond, I think we, you should start the race. Well, I never started, Sifat always started. I said, what for? He said, I don't want Siffert and Rodriguez knocking each <laughs> other off. <laughs> there was Bayo yeah. at uh, Spa, which is a famous shot at Eau Rouge where they were hitting like this. When uh, Seppi came in after that practice, and he said, that effing little Mexicans <laughs> trying to kill me. <laughs> so anyway, I started and right from the start, the handling wasn't normal. Right. And so I got 22 miles around the 44 mile circuit, turned for a corner that was pretty straightforward and the steering broke. And I hit a kilometer, stone kilometer post, right in the fuel tank, and it exploded. And how I got out, I'm not too sure. Uh, you know, I hit the safety belt, held my breath, shut my eyes, and I was on fire from head to foot, soaked in fuel, and I just jumped and landed on the road, and uh, spectators came, and they were waving. It was 45 minutes wow. before I got any medical attention. And that night, nobody knew where I was. And Pedro Rodriguez and Richard Atwood came and found me in this hovel of a place in the Termini Imerese, 
which was a village off to the side of the Targa field, and they took me back to the hotel where there was a German doctor with Porsche who gave me pain-killing injections. And the next day, Gulf and uh, Porsche rented a jet out of Geneva, and they, they flew me uh, back to Manchester. Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that was, it was kind of a strange time at Porsche then, when you had everyone was going in the same direction, but they were, no one was really teammates, but they sort of across the teams on wire. And <laughs> well, it was funny in many ways because, because with six German drivers, they always say, because Sifford and I were winning all the races. They said, Sifford and Redmond have the best car. Yeah. Well, at the Nürburgring, we had a new flounder, and Sifford crashed it, so we didn't have a car. And Vic right. Alford crashed his as well. And we borrowed Porsche Salzburg's car, the Martin. So, yeah. And that's the one that we won with. <laughs> so, so that shut them up. <laughs> so. There's a lot of work that uh, John Wyatt did that Porsche then basically copied, wasn't it? So he was. Yes, a lot of his stuff, yes. I mean, if you looked at the results from 1970, um, you would see that, you know, the... No, I can't say this because I don't want to upset Martini, but I mean, the poor Salzburg only won when we broke down, yeah. which is effectively what happened. Yeah. So it was a great team. John Horseman, superb engineer, Emanuel Kugi, the famous mechanic, Peter Davis, great, great team, great team. And Seppi was the best? Yes. <laughs> the only trouble is Seppi was, he only had one speed, flat out. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter what the situation was. So in 1970 at Le Mans, we're leading by yeah. four laps. And John Horseman says he thinks it was five. But anyway, four <laughs> laps. Now, Jackie X catches Seppi driving the factory Ferrari 512. They have a big battle going on, you know. <laughs> Although he's four laps behind and uh, Jackie had an accident, a corner worker was killed and uh, Seppi missed a gear. He came out of the chicane by the pit, and uh, there were three slower cars ahead like this, all having their own battle. And he goes right across to the right, and squeezes between the car there and the, and the pit, and right in front of the Porsche pit, Mr. Gear, <laughs> we all heard it go Those engines, you know, you, with no rev limiters, it was a poor, difficult synchromesh gearbox, which made the car slower but it helped the development of Porsche gearboxes, of course. Yeah. And so that was a considerable uh, disappointment. Yeah, and obviously you then gave Richard Atwood the win, so I must appreciate it. Yes, he only started 14th or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah very, that terrible conditions as well that year. Yes, miserable conditions, yes. When, when uh, Mike Halewood in the third car crashed into that Alfa Romeo that was broken down, he got back to the pits and Wire said to him, Halewood, don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, of course, he was back in the Mirage a few years later, so it must, it must have worked out in the end. Yes, okay. yes, so. yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, Brilliant. Um, I think you're a busy man today, so I think we'd better let you join the Porsche parade, I think. Isn't yes, it? I'm supposed to be there. I'm sure it's running late. Yes, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. But thank you so much for joining us. I know it's been thank very you. brief, but it's good to see you, as thank always. Thank you very much. Um, and we'll be back. Um, soon, I guess. I'm not sure who we've got lined up, but um, we'll be back soon. Brian, okay. enjoy, enjoy your day. Thank you. Thanks a lot. The all-new Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Available from £269 per month. It's full of the latest technology. Just talk to it. Use your voice to control things like music, call friends, or to help with packing the essentials. Hey, Mercedes. How can I help you? Will I need an umbrella tomorrow? It is very unlikely that it will rain tomorrow. 
It's a car that helps you stay connected. The new A-Class with Mercedes Me from just £269 per month. Find out more. Take a test drive at your local retailer today. Based on an A180 SE on a 48-month personal contract hire agreement. Advanced rental £4,708, 10,000 miles per annum. Mileage and damage charges apply. No ownership. 18 years and over. Subject to status. Offer ends 30th of September. Mercedes-Benz Finance. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.